Bless you guys. Just amazing to see the heart of some of the people in this church. It's awesome. Amen? Amen. Isaiah 61. I really felt this week the Lord speak to me about the anointing. And, um, you know, this is one of these topics that, you know, some people love. I remember hearing a story of a young man who wanted more than anointing. He went to a Benny Hinn meeting. Oh, Benny Hinn, I don't agree with Benny Hinn. Just get over that. But he went to this Benny Hinn meeting, and he um, went into all the different... Benny Hinn was praying for the crowd in the meeting. It was in a football stadium or a basketball stadium, something like that. So he prayed for one section of the crowd, and the power of God came on them, and they fell down, some of them, some of them experience of God. So he was, in that, he was in that part of the stadium and received from God. Then God up, ran to the next part for Benny to pray for the next part, received from God, got up, ran to the next part, went right the way around the stadium, receiving the anointing in every different part. And you may think, well, I don't agree with that. Well, what I like about it, there was a hunger for God. There was a hunger for God. Somebody may say, what is he going to do with all that anointing? I don't think you can can out-receive from God, can you? But I like the heart in that, that there's a desire to receive from God the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I want to talk a little bit basically about that this morning. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for just a wonderful time in your presence and breaking bread together and hearing stories and testimonies and pictures and prophecies. Father, it's just been awesome. But Father, I pray as we turn to your word this morning that you would open our hearts to receive your word. Regardless of who people think I am or who they think they are, that we would humble ourselves to receive your word this morning because it can save our souls. Amen. And that's really what it's all about. So Father, I pray that as we hear about the anointing this morning, we won't switch off, but we would switch on because we realize that the anointing breaks the yoke of bondage. Amen. We realize that the anointing of the Holy Spirit is the one that is the, is the very thing that deals with oppression. So Father, I pray that we would receive your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, I, um, I just really felt God speak to me this week with all that's going on in our world and referendum has been mentioned already. But, you know, one thing that's happened is a number of sort of financial, you know, people out there, I don't know who these people are, have downgraded our country. You know, it just seems a bit arrogant, doesn't it? You know, we'll just, we just sit in a think tank and downgrade a whole country financially. No longer AAA status, but we're downgrading you. Because you've done something we didn't want you to do. So you're a very naughty country, so we're downgrading you. I, I, just, I just don't get the wisdom of this world. But anyway, through it, I just was speaking to the Lord and talking to him. And I felt God say to me, I want to upgrade my people in the anointing. Amen. It's not that you haven't got an anointing. The Bible says you all have an anointing. And you can all hear from God and he teaches you all truth. But there's something about having a revelation and knowledge of, about the anointing that God wants to upgrade in us. That it's not somebody at the front with the anointing moving and we just receive, but each one of us has an anointing. Each one of us has an impartation, a gifting, an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And that encounter with the Holy Spirit, God doesn't want it to be one time, five, ten years ago, I was baptized in the Spirit 25 years ago. I don't need it anymore. I've got that badge. No, it's not a badge that we wear. It's a constant experience. God wants us to be filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit, can I just say this? The Holy Spirit is God. He is God. Amen. You know, we can't ignore him. <laughs> he is God. And as I said last week, you know, Christians, we don't get drunk on wine, neither do we get drunk on the Holy Spirit. So that's why sometimes we're kind of miserable in the middle, isn't it? But God wants us not to be miserable, but be filled with the anointing, which is the oil of gladness. You know, it says about Jesus, he was filled with the anointing, the oil of gladness, far above everybody else. He was full of life. He was full of joy. And you know, Satan tries to steal our joy. He tries to steal our life, doesn't he? But the more we receive from the Holy Spirit, the more, no matter what he tries to steal, you know the great thing about the Holy Spirit, he's a better giver than the enemy is a stealer. He's a better giver than the enemy is a stealer. That's worth a clap. Thank you, brother. You know, he is though, isn't he? But we're not as good receivers from God as the enemy is as good at stealing from us. Because we've been sold a bill of goods in religion that says, oh, well, we're not worthy. We're not worthy to receive. We're not worthy to receive. Yes, we've been made worthy to receive. And Jesus said this, if though earthly fathers sometimes are unworthy, that's the word there, not evil, unworthy. They know how to give good gifts to their children. How much more your heavenly father knows how to give you what you need. And that's in the context Jesus is speaking about giving the whole Father giving the Holy Spirit. Well, you may say, well, the anointing is different to that. The anointing is a different thing. You know, the anointing is simply this, to be rubbed in rubbed all over, completely saturated, marinated with the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's what the anointing is. And God wants us completely immersed in the Holy Spirit. I know there's specific anointings for specific tasks. But, you know, we've been given a great commission, haven't we? Yes. A great commission. No matter what other little giftings you've got and other little you know, assignments God gives us. We've got one assignment, and it's going to take the whole church full to overflow with the whole of the Holy Spirit to get the job done. So we need the Holy Spirit. Turn to somebody and say with conviction, I need the Holy Spirit. Amen. So let's read about how the Holy Spirit impacted Jesus' life. Jesus took this verse up in Luke chapter 4 and applied it to himself and his own ministry, his own service. Isaiah 61, it says this, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. Two, the anointing, the encounter with the Holy Spirit is to do something in our hearts, is to do something in our lives that then leads us to reach other people then leads us to overflow onto other people with his love and his power and his grace. To preach good news to the poor. To send, he sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives. And the opening of the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus shared this in his first message in the synagogue He said, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I think the J.B. Phillips translation says that this scripture is fulfilled as you are listening to it. 
Interesting phrase, isn't it? Yeah. God has so much faith in his word that if you and I just listen to it, as far as he's concerned, it's a done deal. Amen. That's how much faith he has in his own word. <clears throat> and uh, what, I, what I love about this is that every single statement in this if you like, kingdom manifesto, every single statement in it was against the religious attitude at the time. There was a lot of teaching out there about being poor and full of poverty in every single way. And Jesus had come to give good news to the poor. There was a lot of teaching out there at the time about being broken and in pieces before God. And he says, I've come to bring your heart back together and make you whole again. There was a lot of teaching at the time about that brought men into captivity. There there were so many laws that the Pharisees had attached and appended to the law of God and it just was a heavy burden on people. And here's Jesus with an entirely different message saying, I've come to set the captives free. Those who are in prison, I've come to break those chains off their life. Every single one of these statements is what the anointing does when it's on our life. When we have that relationship with the Holy Spirit, when we receive from Him, we want to do what Jesus did. We want to preach good news. We don't want to be full of negativity. Oh, I don't know what's going to happen with this country. It's going to the dogs. No, it's not going to the dogs. It's going to go into a place of revival as the church realizes who we are. In Christ. And it won't be something that we, we cling on to, that negativity that comes from a, a, a really miserly view of God, but positivity that comes from knowing that if God is on our side, if God is for us, who can be against us? Amen. It says as well in verse 2 here, and Jesus quoted this, he says, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord's favor. And it says in verse 2 of Isaiah 61, the day of vengeance of our God. When Jesus quotes that in Luke 4, let's turn there. He doesn't mention that part of the verse, the day of vengeance for our God. He deliberately stops reading at that point. Luke 4, 19, it says, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He stops Halfway through a verse. So the theologians come in and say, well, Jesus, do you realize that you can't take a verse out of context? And you certainly can't just give me half a verse. Oh, no, that's bad hermeneutics, homiletics, Jesus. You wrote the book, but you don't know as much as I know. But actually, Jesus did it deliberately because the day of God's vengeance was not against people. It was against Satan. And here God says, because of the work of his son, he says, this is the day of my favor. Another translation says, this is the day of my kindness. Another translation says, this is the day when the free favors of God abound profusely on everybody. And I guess sometimes the reason why We don't move in the anointing and in the power of the Holy Spirit to the degree that we want to move in is because there's no connection with the anointing upon us and the heart that's within us. 
The Bible says out of the, in, out of the, out of the overflow of the heart, Jesus says in Matthew 12, your mouth speaks. So the Holy Spirit wants to deal with our heart to get our heart in line with the mission of what the anointing is for. And it's to proclaim the love and kindness of God. And to demonstrate that so people can see it supernaturally in their lives. It's not for us to look good. It's not for us to build a ministry. It's not for us to be in a situation where, you know, when we pray for somebody, if the Holy Spirit doesn't seem to be knocking them over, we give them a push. None of that is what it's for. What it's for is to bring the love, the favor, and the kindness of God to his people. And in his mind, his people are not just in here, they're out there as well. Hmm. Let me convince you. Go to Acts chapter 10. I had some notes, but I've just decided to go off them. So here we go. Let's go on a roller coaster ride for a few moments. Here we go. You know, my, my notes are anointed. They're really good. They're worth reading. But this is going to be better, okay? Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Peter's replies how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good, and here's the definition of doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. For God was with him. So you hear in this verse, you see a definition of the mission that comes on Jesus with the anointing. It's to heal everybody oppressed by the devil. And that is our job as the church. But we've got to allow the Holy Spirit to heal us up so we're not oppressed by the devil so that we can free others up. Amen? Amen. So it's really important that this anointing not only works for others but works for us as well. This presence of God works for us as well as for others. It says, and God was with him. There's many scriptures in the New Testament where the word appear is, you know, that, that, that Jesus will appear or will be made manifest. And so often when we read those scriptures, we read in context of Jesus coming again, his second coming. So, for example, in John's letter, it says, you know, when we see him, we'll be like him. And, and, and he'll be, he'll, when, he, when, when he's manifest or when he appears, we will be like him. The word appear there is not return of Jesus. It's as we develop our relationship with him and we see him as he is, we become more like him. You see, anointing is basically... You know, the, the idea of when you're around somebody, what they are like rubs off on you. You know that phrase? You know, that, that person, his attitude, his enjoyment of life, her zest for life, it's just infectious. It rubs off on me. The same with Jesus. You can't be around Jesus too long before his anointing, his life rubs off on you and that's what the anointing is about it's not about receiving something and doing our own thing with it it's about walking with Jesus and it says for God was with him literally it says for God was happy to appear with him Mm. (laughs) I love that it's the it's the idea you know when you have 
when you go to a concert and you, you know, you, you people bring on guest singers and this great star is happy to appear with this band and endorse them. Jesus is happy to appear with you and me. Isn't that awesome? He's happy to show up when we're around. That is awesome, guys. Whatever we've been doing in church is, is kind of, that is what it's about. God showing up. He's happy to appear with us. And that's the anointing that, that when, when, when we start to move with the heart of God, guess what? God is going to show up in amazing, amazing ways. Hallelujah. Oh, Father. Jesus says this, I only see and I only do what I see my Father doing and I only do what my Father does. There's an intimacy in the relationship to carry the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's not something that can be worked up. It's not something that can be psyched up. It's out of the fullness that we receive from Him. We give away. John 5 verse 26 says this, The Father has the power to give life, and He has given the Son the same power to give life. I was reading that, and and just it jumped out at me. You know, we say all the time, we're joint heirs with Jesus, don't we? So if the Father has given the Son power to give life, that means he's given the church power to give life in his name. He's given us as individuals power to give life. Not death, not separation, but life. And I really believe that the anointing that God wants us to move in is an anointing not of judgment, not of condemnation, not of performance, but an anointing that brings life, love, and the kindness of God to those around us. If that's going to be the case in our lives, that, that, that we, we bring that kind of anointing, there's, I really believe, a process to go through. And I'm not going to dwell too much on this, but in the Old Testament, when they got the anointing all together, it had five parts to it. Five parts to the anointing oil. It was four particular spices and then one kind of oil, olive oil. Five parts to this anointing oil. And this anointing was oil was only used to dedicate priests. Just put your hand up if you're a priest of God in here today. You are. I know some churches believe that the person standing in the front is a priest. But I believe, according to the scripture, that in the priesthood of all believers... So we're all priests and kings unto God. Amen? Amen. So this particular anointing oil that's talked about in the book of Exodus, it's, if you're taking notes, it's chapter 30. This particular anointing oil was made of five parts. Five in the Bible, the number five always stands for grace. So this anointing was all about grace. It wasn't about condemnation. It wasn't about judgment. It wasn't about legalism. It was about grace. And it was a grace that set priests apart to work for God. You and I are set apart, not to do our own thing, but set apart to work for God. The four spices that were involved in this mix that made the anointing oil. The first one was myrrh. We know about myrrh because it's one of the gifts that was given to baby Jesus. It was probably put on his body at his burial as an anointing. And myrrh, 
talks about death. It talks about separation. When the Bible talks about death, it's talking about separation. And you know, there are some good separations and some really not so good separations. But myrrh is separation. And I believe myrrh describes the separation that comes when we allow the power of the word of God to work in our lives. When we put his word as our final authority. Why do I say that? Because in Hebrews it says that the word of God has the power to separate. Soul and spirit. So a people that are going to be able to carry and move in this kind of anointing. Must be a people that find an intimacy with God through his word. And that intimacy separates them in their thinking from stuff that will hold them back. Are you with me? So that's one part of this anointing or one of the spices. The second one is a spice I love, cinnamon. Oh, it's just great on t- with coffee. It's supposed to, you know, when you're trying to not have as much sugar, it's nice to have a bit of cinnamon, isn't it? But it's just great at Christmas, you know, you know it just, just smells like Christmas, doesn't it? It's beautiful. I just love it. You know what it stands for, cinnamon? It stands for love. That's what it stands for in the scripture. Love. Sweet. Beautiful. Taste good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that love is good because God is love. So there's got to be an encounter with this anointing. It's not just receive the anointing, wham, bam, thank you man, now I'm commissioned, now go and wreak havoc. No, it's actually letting the word work in you. Letting the love of the Father work in you in order to carry this anointing that God has for you. The next spice, which I probably am not going to be able to pronounce correctly, so forgive me, scholars amongst us. Oh, this one's quite easy, actually. There's the next one that's tough. Cain or calamus is the next spice. And this stands for kindness, favor. So somebody who's going to carry the anointing of God that separates them, but also separates them from worldly thinking, but separates them unto the mission of God in the world, that kind of person is going to have to receive God's kindness for themselves. You know, the reason we're hard on other people is because we're hard on ourselves. But as we receive his kindness... We're going to be kind to those around us. We've got to receive his kindness. And sometimes for blokes, this is harder than for ladies. But it's certainly harder for those with an orphan spirit or those with a sense of, I'm a self-made person. I've always done it my own way. But God wants to break in on you with his kindness and his gentleness and his meekness and melt your heart. He wants to do that. The next part of this anointing oil is cassia. And it's from a particular plant, it's from a particular tree. And this particular tree had to retain moisture. It must be planted by the banks of a river in order to survive. So an essential part of the anointing that you have and an essential part of your life is to be planted in the rivers of water. 
to be receiving from the Holy Spirit, to be receiving from the Word of God, which is also described as water. But you can't survive without that. These were the four spices. And then the oil that was added to the spices to make up this anointing oil was olive oil. Olive oil. (laughs) I don't know if I should tell that story. Shocking and Lima were in our house a few, uh, a couple of weeks, well, about a week before um, we got married. Oh, they got married, not where you got married. You may be there in the spirit, I don't know. But about a week before, they were at our house and um, <clears throat> we were talking about different things. Shocking's trying to get me into fitness and, and I'm, I'm being a really bad disciple of that, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to try. But he said, you know, we did a bit of, few little things, a few little exercises. He said, let me massage your head. You know what shock is like. Let me massage your head. So I was like, well, do I have a choice in this? Anyway, <laughs> so I sat down on the floor, and he got some olive oil, and she to brought oil, she said, you know, cooking oil, pour it all on, you need it. So, <clears throat> so she, anyway, so olive, olive oil was on my head, and he started massaging my head. And he, he did this for a while. Now, our, our, our wives were present, don't get any funny ideas here, okay? <clears throat> so he's massaging my head. And basically, this lasted quite a while. And then I tried to get up from a seated position after he'd done this. And I felt like I was drunk. (laughs) I felt so relaxed. I felt so relaxed. And the Holy Spirit, when God God wants us to relax, not be all het up, not be all stressed about everything. You know, stress is a killer, literally, physically. That's right. And God comes to us and he wants us to chill out. Yeah. I've got to reach the word. You know, there was a time in my life I used to support Bolton Wanderers, forgive me. But there was a time in my life I used to go to watch Bolton Wanderers at Burnham Park as a kid and then Reebok Stadium when it was Reebok Stadium and Macron. And basically when I went to see them, when I got back from university or back in my hometown, when I went to see them, I went through a stage of, of looking around in the stadium. Oh God, all these people need to come to know you, Jesus. Oh my God, they need to come to know I missed the match because I was too intense in my desire for evangelism and my desire to see people saved. And God said, chill out. Chill out. Because the anointing flows from a place of rest. Just as that beautiful dove rests upon a person when they're in rest, so the Holy Spirit finds a place of rest, not a place of stress. And he'll rest upon us. The other thing that happened was, just notice the day after. My word, my hair was looking great. <laughs> after all this olive oil was on. It was looking shiny and full of strength. It wasn't straw-like. I'm, I'm giving a real good plug for olive oil here, aren't I? I should have shares in the company. But my point is that God wants the anointing to change us so we represent him the way he wants us to represent him. What father doesn't want their kids, a good father, doesn't will want their kids to look their best? This morning, we, I put some little bit of gel in Joel's hair and he put his shirt on. And he said, I want to wear a tie this morning, Dad. So he put his tie on. And I, I looked at him, I thought, you look great, son. I like your choice this morning. And when I see Joseph, when I see Barla's son, when he was at Shocket Lima's wedding, he's got his nice, his, his, his suit, his blue suit jacket from India. 
this is a cool jacket that Joseph was wearing. And he looked so cool in it. And I know Bala as a father and Monica as a mother are looking at him and thinking, wow, that's our son. He represents our heart. And God loves us so much. You know, so much religious Christianity talks about how hard it always is and the devil's on my back and blah, 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 blah. But God wants you to realize that as the anointing comes in your life, the devil can't stay on your back. He has to flee. He has to flee. And I'm not saying that there isn't suffering. In fact, olive oil, to get olive oil, it has to be pressed. That's right. has to be pressed. But you know, the whole doctrine of suffering, I think, has been misapplied because suffering is not something we just have to endure in a passive state. Suffering is something that comes because it's challenging what's in us. And we have to sometimes resist the temptation to come under it. So, for example, some people believe that if you're sick or if you're in pain, it may be God giving you some suffering to teach you something. My theological response to that is, "Eh, eh." (laughs) But when these things come, that are from the enemy. Isaiah 54 says this quite clearly. They'll come and gather together and attack you, but it's not by me. He says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue that rises against you in judgment shall be seen to be false, because you shall condemn it. We have to resist it by speaking the anointed word against this stuff, and by getting into prayer and taking our responsibility and authority seriously. That's part of our suffering, not lying down under stuff. You know, some people, including myself and in my family, there's been illnesses for a long time. But we we continue to resist, and that is as much suffering as coming under the illness, isn't it? It's really important to resist by faith and resist everything that's not the will of God. And this olive oil, when the olive is crushed, when the olive... Is, is, is resisting the pressure, this beautiful oil comes out. And some of us have been through some stuff that we think, why on earth did I go through that? Did God put me through it? And my answer to your question is, I don't have all the answers, but I know that God didn't orchestrate bad circumstances in your life. That's but right. we live in a fallen yeah. world, but God has an amazing way of, of, of taking spilt milk pulling it together and making double cream. He has an amazing way of taking what the enemy meant for harm and making it good. He has an amazing way of turning all things to the good to those who love him. He has an amazing way of doing that. So I don't want to find myself when suffering comes asking the question why. I want to find myself when suffering comes speaking the will of God into the situation and resisting what I don't have to take on because it's not part of my walk. Is that okay? But oil, olive oil is part of that anointing. So you can see love and kindness, invest time with the Word of God, invest time with relationship with the Holy Spirit, and resist that which which the enemy throws at you. All those are characteristics of somebody that receives the Holy Spirit. 